Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. By College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. The ASU fans home away from home. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Voted Best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the Southwest, around the United States, Canada, wherever you may be tuning in live on our Podbean app at ITHSW Podcast. This is Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, proudly presented by Maryville University and the uh, Maryville Saints hockey team. We are glad to have them on board. Scott Strandy in Scottsdale, Arizona, as usual, and my co-host, Stephen Marsh, as usual, from that beautiful city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen Marsh, how are you tonight? We're doing well. We're doing well here in Las Vegas. Weather is starting to finally start to feel like fall. And, of course, it is uh, great for talking hockey still in the fall. We have the NHL draft, which we're going to get to. But, uh, yeah, everything is going well. How about your way? Not bad down here at all. Things are uh, are cooling off here as well, which we always like this time of year anyway. Uh, we've had enough 100-plus days of heat. But, uh, Stephen, tonight we kind of branched out. Uh, we normally do club hockey. So if you're tuning in tonight and expecting to hear a bunch of club hockey stuff, uh, my apologies because I thought – and I made this decision solely on my own and, and forced it on everybody else. <laughs> this is uh, NHL draft, uh, which was a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Uh, very, very unusual for this crazy year of 2020 and the pandemic and all of those things that go along with it. So I made the decision that maybe we should tonight talk a little bit about uh, the NHL draft and how things went today and uh, again, my apologies if you were expecting club hockey. That'll be back next week and going forward. But um, tonight, Stephen, we're going to talk the NHL draft because I think it's that important. We're also going to bring in uh, Seth Askelson, our uh, beat reporter for the Arizona Coyotes here in just a few minutes. And uh, we're going to bring in Zach Bondurant, who we call our resident expert uh, of the uh, Colorado Avalanche, who he has been a longtime Avalanche fan and follower. and. Uh, I'm putting the onus on you tonight. I know I spend a lot of time in Vegas too, but you live there and you've had a chance to uh, see what the Vegas Golden Knights have done. So um, we're going to make you the resident expert tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. You okay with that? I'll do my best. I've got my notes out here ready to go. I've got my my laptop or my iPad with all the players that the Golden Knights drafted and try to provide some context of, of what they what they did and uh, I'll do my best. All right. That's all we can ask for. I know you will handle it. Um, before we jump into that, and I just said we're not going to talk club hockey. We are going to talk just a little bit of club hockey because I was up in Vegas for the 1 October um, Remembrance. Uh, you and I did a little uh, feature, but I also had a chance to visit with the head coach from UNLV, Anthony Vigneri-Green, and we sat down for 7, 10 minutes, something like that, and uh, we have that up on the website at icetimehockeysw.com. So if you want to see the whole thing, get to it. But uh, the reason, Stephen, was that, that – his players are like everybody's players, right? They're getting itchy. They want to get on the ice. They want to start doing something. They want to do some team activities. And it's just um, not quite there yet. As I say that, however, uh, the NCAA is starting to move. Uh, we saw the Big Ten uh, adopt, if you will, ASU. So um, I think January 1 is going to be a really good time for hockey. Fingers crossed that we get this COVID thing under control. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, you feel you, 
ASU you're talking about, I feel bad for them a little bit. I mean, it's good that they're going to get to play hockey, but the part of it is that they don't get to play any of the games at home. they got to travel to all their games. But that's just how it is, and at least they'll get to play games and be part of a, a conference this year that took them in this year so they could play, and, and that's great. And, yeah, for UNLV, they, they certainly want to get out on the ice, and, and, and I think they, they do in some capacity with some, some limited skates and stuff. And I know from that interview you did with the coach that they were looking at maybe some ways of kind of – Doing some uh, doing some scrimmages or doing some 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 skates and stuff, but uh, the governor here uh, did not allow for youth hockey to continue. Allow some youth sports to start up that were less contact, but hockey was not on that list. So I think those plans that they were trying to maybe work out, uh, depending on that, uh, were halted. So we'll have to just continue to wait and see. But hopefully they can continue to at least skate some as a as a as a team and or as individuals and just try to keep themselves fresh for when the season hopefully does begin in January. Okay, so getting back to the NHL draft and how we're going to do this, we're going to bring Seth Askelson in in just a couple of minutes. We're going to let Seth break down the five picks that the uh, Arizona Coyotes had. Of course, everybody by now knows that uh, they lost their second-round pick and they didn't have a first-round pick, and they didn't pick until number 111. Um, they were managed, uh, were able to draft uh, five players, though, and I think they got some good ones, but we'll let Seth break it down for us in just a minute. Um, then we'll go to the uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and, and Zach Bondran will be joining us uh, to break that down. And then uh, I will lean on you and, and maybe assist you if you need it uh, on the Vegas Golden Knights since we both kind of – are in the house on that, and we'll wrap things up that way. So that's kind of the way the format goes. Um, as I did mention also, we do have a new uh, presenting partner. We're going to welcome the University, uh, Maryville University, I should say, the Saints, in their, uh, what, third year now of existence, a brand-new building just outside of St. Louis, and they see the value of uh, reaching out and, and looking for hockey players and students. So welcome aboard, Maryville University. And uh, – Okay, let's uh, let's just give a quick synopsis, and then we'll bring Seth in here uh, to uh, to break down the Coyotes. But what were your thoughts on the draft today, uh, just overall, as far as the way it played out and how it all worked yesterday and today, Stephen? You know, as we saw with the NFL draft, how they had to go virtually, it really worked uh, well, and this worked well too. I, you know, you talked with. You hear from some of the general managers, and, and particularly from McCrimmon, who, who we follow here, of course, with the Golden Knights, and talking about the, the challenges or maybe the advantages of of doing the draft this way. Now, the, for one, the Golden Knights have, I think, had the best setup. Maybe maybe we're a little biased in this, but they had the best setup as they got to go up to Foley's uh, Cattle Creek uh, <laughs> Ranch up there they're in Montana, which, which which we didn't get invited to, but that's that's besides the point. <laughs> but but a lot of the media, some of the Vegas media, did get to go and, and be up there with them and, and cover that, so that was cool. And yeah, and it's it, it, in that regard, it's, it's it was nice uh, for them to be able to be in the same room, but you're not it's not as the busyness of being on the floor and having the noise and and everything. You can you can sit there as the draft's going on, especially during parts where where Vegas had to wait so long before the, the some of the picks in the later rounds, they could sit in the room still and look at video, look at video and evaluate right up until they want to make picks. I don't know if you necessarily can can do that at, at the site at, at where the draft is. Um, the one thing they miss, of course, is being able to see the GMs in person and, and talk deals and trades because, of course, we've got the free agencies and, and you know, trades will be probably coming up here uh, at, at, at soon after. So, um, they, don't, they don't have that sort of interaction to try to work work things out in person, um, so that's the disadvantage. But but as for the draft itself, it it went pretty pretty well. Uh, it seemed like at the first round it was kind of going slow there for a while, and then it kind of second round too. But then it kind of picked up speed as it as it went along. I think today was eight hours of, to get through all seven two <laughs> rounds two through seven. So you know it was a little long, but but you got you get through it. But I think it went. I think it went well. Obviously, you you rather have it in, in person and seeing everybody, seeing the players being able to to be in their homes and like we saw with the NFL and, and zoom in or however they did it uh, with their families when they got selected. Um, it's nice because you don't necessarily see that in when we do the draft the normal way. Even in the later rounds, when you, you hear the names get picked, you don't you don't necessarily see them in their homes. You just hear about the players and then you find out about them later. But you know, even with the later rounds. The players are at home. You can bring them in. You can see them when, when their names are selected or when you're talking about them, and and that's that's kind of a cool aspect to it too. Well, one thing we know is that uh, when all was said and done today, Stephen, it looks like 
Colorado got uh, five players and uh, Arizona got five players. And somehow, some way out of this deal, the Vegas Golden Knights ended up with six. So uh, I, I call it the, the magic of Bill Foley because I don't know how he gets stuff done the way he does, but well, somehow yeah, they, he managed to get six, six draft picks. I know they traded one. They traded uh, one up to, to get the – I think they would have had five, and then they, they traded yeah. up one to get uh, to get the goalie that they drafted uh, from uh, Sweden, uh, Vickman. And we'll talk more when we get to break down the Golden Knights. But so that that was where the sixth one came in. Otherwise, they would have been to five as well. Right. They weren't going to have a pick for a while. They would have went from pick sixty-eight, not until uh, or ninety-one, excuse me, until pick like one eighty-four. But then they right. they traded with Detroit up up a spot or up uh, get one twenty-five and and pick. So yeah, they ended up with six. But yeah, somehow they always seem to they, <laughs> the magic of George McPhee. Now Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee certainly involved still, but Kelly McCrimmon, who's the general manager, you know how how they're able to and Bill Foley how they're able to work work that sort of sort of magic and, and they're going to really have to do some sort of magic and we'll get into it with the golden knights they're really going to have to work some magic over the next few days is, is of course that, that's going to be the cap that'll be the next topic of, yeah yeah that'll be the next yeah. topic as far as the arizona coyotes they weren't able to get their first pick until number 111 they ended up with pick 204 in between they sandwiched uh, 142 173 192 uh in between those so and when I look at it, just on paper, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, I think, did okay for what, what they were up against. I mean, a new GM that couldn't be involved. I mean, you name it. It was it, They had everything in the deck stacked against them. And, and we'll get with Seth there in just a minute and uh, get his feelings for it. But when I look at it on paper, uh, Stephen, I think the, the Arizona Coyotes did pretty well for themselves considering all things that you were up against. Yeah, I mean, I, I I certainly agree with you. I don't have as as much of an insight on that makings of that of that team, but just yeah, it was it was just like sitting there thinking, man, you know, we're we're in round four, and and the Coyotes still didn't get to get to pick. Obviously, that you mentioned they lost the the second round pick because of what happened with the with with the with you know with the testing of the players or whatever, and um and that was, but yeah, it's it's real. Uh, it looks from what they look like. I look at some of their their players, and like I said, I don't know, I didn't do too much research on them yet, but it looks. They look like they did pretty well, and 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 you just give hope because the the Coyotes certainly could can use it, and and certainly want to continue to build build their organization and and try to be competitive here going forward, and and, and certainly try to work to that that. All right, situation. let's let's take a quick break. Let's hear from our uh, new presenting partner, and then we'll come right back with our Coyotes beat reporter Seth Askelson in one minute. When looking for a place to continue your education. Think of the boxes that Maryville University checks off. Big city access? Maryville is located in the St. Louis suburbs. Small school feel? Maryville's average class size is less than 15. Vibrant campus? Maryville is the second fastest growing private university in the country. With over 3,000 undergrad students on campus and more than 10,000 online, Maryville University is able to provide a cutting edge robust learning experience for the 21st century. From the sciences to education to business and more, our undergrad and graduate programs promise an individualized, hands-on experience that is truly crafted for today's student. For more information on our campus life programs, admissions, or more, visit our website at maryville.edu. All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, Scott Strandy from Scottsdale, Arizona, Stephen Marsh from Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's our pleasure to bring in Seth Askelson, our, our beat reporter for all things Arizona Coyotes and Tucson Roadrunners. Seth, first of all, how are you? Scott, I'm doing well. Before we jump into the Coyotes, I do want to say I heard you mention at the top of the show, you know, some people may be disappointed that we're not talking club hockey tonight, but I do want to mentioned somebody that was really big in the club hockey scene and that was Jim Rogers. Uh, he passed last night um, and, and he was big not only to what GCU is doing and, and has done, but also to really where the Kachinas were at. If you saw the Kachinas tweet, uh, they had talked about how he was giving them ice time where ice time in Arizona, as we all know, is very difficult. So I uh, just want to say Jim Rogers uh, will definitely be missed. Um, I played with his son, Justin, a little bit at, at AZA's Peoria, just in pickup games and adult leagues, and uh, just a, a great man there. So Jim did a great job raising a, a great son who 
I know will take over um, and had really done well with the, the Trojans as well. So just want to give the condolences and to the Rogers family and, and the respect that Jim Rogers deserves, not only for the man, the human, the family man that he was, but also for everything that he did uh, in hockey in Arizona. Seth, I, I can say that we all echo your feelings and thoughts on that. Uh, uh, what an incredible individual he was and what a dedicated hockey man he was. And, uh, you know, our prayers and thoughts go out to uh, Lori, his wife, and and Justin, because and all of the family and everybody that really knew him that was his extended family. I know, uh, just look on social media today, and Jim Rogers touched so many people. So uh, we definitely have thoughts and prayers out for the uh, Rogers family, and I think you put it very well. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, I don't know how you transition from that, Seth, but uh, uh, we brought you on to talk uh, Arizona Coyotes hockey, and I think you probably heard uh, in the opening that uh, I was amazed. And, and really, when I look on paper, I thought the Arizona Coyotes did a fantastic job with what they were up against to put together the five players that they got. So uh, your thoughts on the overall, first, first and foremost? Yeah, I think they did really well. Uh, obviously, they re- wanted to, to grab another pick. They really liked another player, that pick. Um, uh, pick 192, the Elliott Eckfjord, Eckfjord pick, uh, was traded with New Jersey, and they traded their seventh rounder next year. So, obviously, like what they saw out of Elliott and figured that, you know, they could part ways with next year's seventh. And, I mean, seventh round picks hardly ever – you know, see extended time in the NHL, but that doesn't mean they don't. And um, next year's seventh round pick is probably going to be an early to mid pick. So obviously they really liked Elliot Eckfjord um, to jump back in. Uh, but yeah, I thought they did a really good job. They, when you take a look at, at everybody and, and somebody had mentioned this on, on Twitter, uh, they really got a lot of size, right? I mean, you take a look. Uh, yeah, that was guys. what I was going to say right um, off the get go. <laughs> I was just going to mention two players, yeah, six, four. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Carson Bantle, 6'4", 194. Uh, Ekfjord, who they ended up, as we talked about, jumping back in. Um, 6'4", 216 is what he's listed at. At least that's what I'm reading from Alex Kinkoff, uh, the Arizona Coyotes website writer. So a lot of big size, but, I mean, you think about it, right? I know, look, I know Bill Armstrong wasn't a part of the draft directly, but obviously he hired his staff, and I'm sure he, I'm sure he didn't not have communications with them a little bit. Um, but you look at it, right? This this draft, they got a lot of size and a lot of skill. Uh, the one defenseman, Mitchell Miller, uh, very good offensively. I mean, you look at the St. Louis Blues who won the Cup two years ago. It's size and it's skill, right? It's it's guys like Patrick Maroon. Um, Vince Dunn's a big body out there. And, and so, you know, uh, you're starting to see exactly what Bill Armstrong is looking for. And, uh, again, as we talked about it, look, you did the best you could with the five picks you had, I think. It was definitely a lot better than a lot of people thought. But also, when you look at the guys that they pick up, specifically the first two picks, uh, Marner at one, or sorry, Miller at one eleven, and uh, Bantle at one forty-two, two guys that are going to play college hockey. So probably at minimum three years away from seeing them uh, in any sort of NHL sanctioned action, whether it be preseason or regular season. Um, so. I think you're seeing a draft where the Coyotes understand, okay. And I think this is the way with a lot of these later round picks, but it's like, okay, we're going to draft these guys. We'll keep them overseas. We'll we'll keep them in college and, you know, come on back and, and see what, see what's next for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, When I look at it, uh, Seth, uh, you know, I'm looking at the draft board and obviously that void at 49 is, is hard to swallow, but I think maybe now, we can finally put that behind us as Arizona Coyotes fans and, and, and just start to really move forward. I think this was a, a hurdle, if you will, that uh, the organization had to get through and had to move on from, and I think now uh, they probably can. Um, it's interesting that they, they took another center, three wings, and a defenseman. Um, no doubt they want some size up the middle, don't they? Yeah, they do, and I think – before we touch on the forwards, um, you said that this is maybe we can get it in the past now and, and move on from. But I think next year, you, when you see a big hole in that draft board within the top 20, 25, that's going to be real. It's going to be a lot uglier and, and 
feel a lot more emptier than it did in that second round. So, um, as you know, we can put it to bed until next summer, but I don't know if, you know, the well, sting of, here's of what I'll that say is about not going to end until the, here's what I'll say about that. And I hate to interrupt you, but, um, this time, uh, Bill Armstrong had no choice. This was the sanction. It was there. The sanction's going to be there next year, but he's going to have a whole year to do some wheeling and dealing and try to get something back again, if you will, for next year. So maybe that thing will be there. I mean, obviously, but uh, maybe he'll be able to do some work and, and create some magic of his own to get back up in the draft. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of assets that could probably get them back into the first round. How funny would it be if they traded away uh, for a first round pick and that pick ended up winning the lottery. Do you think the NHL would be <laughs> feeling pretty stupid that the Coyotes acquired another first round pick just to win the lottery? I mean, it, it, it'd be never the say the never, Coyotes my and, friend, and never one. say never. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But back to the original point you made, you talking about uh, just size at the middle and, and really size at Ford, right? I mean, you think about, what were those top two lines for the Coyotes? Uh, you know, smaller skill player, right? Taylor Hall, Clayton Keller. Um, up the middle, I mean, you have Christian Dvorak, who's a big body, a big guy, you know, maybe on some of your lower lines, Lawson Krause, Christian Fisher, you know, but Nick Schmaltz, uh, smaller in terms of, you know, hockey-wise, definitely a bigger guy than I am. But um, just a lot of guys that maybe didn't have the size that, say, a Colorado does specifically particularly lines two through four. Um, I thought the Coyotes in that Avalanche series, uh, obviously outside the two two games where they got put uh, seven goals on, played relatively well with that top line of Colorado, but it really showed the depth. And again, not that any of, the guys, any of these guys will be top line guys, but that doesn't mean they can't. Um, I, to me, I think the most interesting player, really the, the two most interesting players, first I want to touch on the – Seventh round pick, the um, at pick two hundred four, Ben McCartney. Uh, ben, Mc, yeah, Ben McCartney uh, pl- has played for the Brandon Wheat Kings the last four seasons in the WHL. Was draft eligible last year, didn't get selected, uh, but this past season he put up sixty one points in sixty one games. Um, an improvement. He had played sixty seven games in 2018-2019, put up forty one points, and I wonder uh, in his second year he put up only 12 points in 51 regular season games, but then he added six points in 11 postseason games. Then the next year had 41 points. And then this past year had 61. So I wonder if that, that postseason really what is what jump started him. Um, so it'll be interesting. An older guy, right? Drafted at 19. I'd, uh, old in terms of the draft, but it, it'll be interesting to see how, how he'll pan out and, and how he develops. Absolutely. Steven, did you see anything in the Arizona Coyotes you want to ask Seth about? Well, yes. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the defenseman that they took, um, Mitch Miller, and and what you think about him. uh, Because to me, it seems like defense is something that that, that Arizona needs going forward in their organization. But what what do you see in him and and his development and, and just where he might fit? in this organization going forward with uh, Mitchell Miller? Um, I think it's interesting pre-draft, um, you know, future considerations had him ranked at 201, but Craig Button had him ranked at 106 overall. Um, he was 49th in North American skaters from uh, NHL Central Prospect, uh, Central Scouting. Um, Dauber Prospect, uh, Robinson had him ranked 84. So a guy that, I mean, again, outside of the first round and maybe really the first 50 pictures, so it's hard to judge. But I think a guy that a lot of people liked the upside to, a guy that had admitted, you know, he said, I played forward up until U16. If you go on the Coyotes' Twitter, they, you know, they posted a clip from the press conference they had with him, the Zoom conference, for lack of a better term. Um, and he said, look, I played forward until 16U. And then – you know, I had to play defense one game, and after that, it was you know, he played defense after he played that one game in 16U when they had to move him back. So a guy that has a lot of good offensive skill, is, understands the game, um, but, you know, 49 points in 49 games in the USHL with the Madison Capitals. He was an alternate captain. Uh, and the year before that, he had 20 points in 62 games. So obviously a huge growth on that back end. And you had mentioned it. 
that the Coyotes are going to need some help defensively. I wouldn't say their pipeline is necessarily stacked defensively, but I mean, you think about it. And again, he's probably four, three, four years away. He, he'll play at least a couple of years in the NCA before even considering coming over and, and, and playing professional hockey. But the Coyotes, they have, you know, Victor Soderstrom and they have, uh, Capo Bianco that they're probably hoping will jump in. And Jordan Gross uh, got a few games in. So they're okay defensively. I mean, again, it's not like they're bursting to the seams, but a good pick in the fourth round, a guy that, again, it, they're they're not asking him to be ready in two years because they're so depleted. It's a guy that has a lot of good offensive upside, and he gets a chance to develop at, I mean, a school that just seems to be a professional hockey factory in North Dakota. It's, it seems like if you put on a North Dakota sweater, you're going to play in the National Hockey League at some point. So uh, a, a real good pick there. Seth, you mentioned that, and uh, I had a chance to see uh, uh, Ottawa general manager talk a little bit today after uh, or during the draft, and they have two defensemen that are now going to probably be paired together at North Dakota as well. So uh, that does tell you, they said Bradbury, and I can attest to this, I saw and have known Bradbury for years, but he is a tremendous coach at development. He can win championships at the NCAA level, obviously, but at developing players to play in the NHL, he knows what it takes. And, of course, anybody that's ever seen the University of North Dakota and Ralph Engelstad Arena knows uh, that is as close to professional hockey as you get as far as the environment, uh, the alumni, and everything that goes along with it. So congratulations to Mitchell Miller. We'll look forward to seeing him uh, sometime down the road with the Coyotes. Uh, I do want to ask you, Seth, about um, it seems Arizona's got a real affection for Sweden. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson still currently their captain, I believe, if something hasn't happened while we're on the air. Um, uh, Victor Soderstrom, now two more Swedes. Uh, is there anything to that, or are they just taking best player available and they happen to be from Sweden? Um, I think it's they're taking best player. It's a little bit of both, right? But I think what happens is, is you see what really the Swedish, the Swedish elite league and, and the junior elite leagues have turned into, and it really has turned almost into a pipeline, right? I think at the World Juniors, who are the fa- who are the three favorites every year? It's Sweden, it's Canada, it's the United States, and Sweden every year they bring a team over to the World Juniors that is competitive. There's guys on there that. You know, okay, these, they're surefire going to get drafted again. I mean, there's 200 and some odd picks in every draft, but hey, there's a lot of players that enter their name into the, the NHL draft pool. So um, I think it's just a, a sense of a lot of these guys get to play, you know, they, they play at a high level in Sweden, but there's times where they will end up playing in the Swedish Elite League and, and the professional league. So uh, almost akin to what Austin Matthews did when he went to Switzerland, right? He, you know, he skipped juniors. He skipped going to college. He said, okay, I'm going to go play professionally in Switzerland. And again, the NHL is a top league. There's no replacement for NHL experience, but I think there's something to be said when you're playing in a system, whether you're in the professional league or you're in the junior leagues underneath it, that is preparing you to play professional hockey um and and that's huge i mean really when i think what jumps out at me especially for the uh Ekfjord pick the one they traded back into the seventh round for um on paper you can almost see why they traded back in to get him right so you look at Eckford 2018-2019 he played in um three different or two different league three different leagues excuse me in the the junior 18 elite he had 17 points in 22 games in the junior 18 al Alsvekskin, he had 10 points in 16 games. And then at the end of that season, he ended up playing two games at the J20 elite level. So he jumped up to the, the U20 level in Sweden, scored a goal in two games. Then last year, he started in J18, the elite, 37 points in 19 games. Okay, move him up. Goes to the J18, Alsvekskin, 20 points in 16 games. And then he plays J20 elite at the end of the year again, 15 games. 14 points, and now at J20 National 2020-2021 uh, season, six points in six games. So this is a guy that, on paper at least, really jumps up, right? He he jumps up in competition, and his point production stays the same. And that's where it can get really tricky, right, when guys are making gradual steps. Can they keep up with the competition? Well, it seems so far that, um, especially for 
X yard he's he's been able to keep up in in terms of point production. Okay, we got two minutes left. Recap the situation that the Arizona Coyotes are in right now, post draft, pre free agency. Give us your thoughts in two minutes if you can. Okay, so real real quick, I had read Mitchell Miller's stats wrong in the USHL. I was actually looking at Carson Battles, so I just want to make the correction. Last year, uh, thirty three points in forty four games for Mitchell Miller in the USHL for the Tri-City Storm. So just want to make that correction. But real quick, I mean, it, it's a draft. Again, in the late rounds, these are guys that you're going to see three, four years. That's exactly what they did. They got guys who are finding success at all different types of levels. Um, today, I mean, pretty much after the draft, Bill Armstrong had, had made it public that the Coyotes are not re-signing Taylor Hall. So it, it really shows where they're going from here, right? They're not going to take on uh, – you know, a, a seven-figure, eight-figure cap hit. Um, yeah, they're not going to take on an eight-figure cap hit. They're not going to take a $10 million cap hit to keep Taylor Hall. I think they understand where they're at. It's I don't want to say the writing's on the wall with a rebuild because they still have statistically the best goaltending tandem in the league and a lot of good young talent up front. But it just feels like you're almost in this purgatory where at, at the best, the Coyotes are going to be a 7-8 seed. And at the worst, it... You know, you're you're kind of praying that the NHL decides to reverse their decision and give the Coyotes the first-round pick back. Again, I think where the Coyotes are going to be at, and obviously, you know, free agency opens Friday. Trades are still always available. Uh, but the Coyotes might not be in, in such a tight cap situation as they were if they were going to try to re-sign Hall. Uh, so it might give them a chance to fill some depth pieces that they rather – or, you know, would not have gotten if they did sign Taylor Hall. So I think – we'll understand a little bit better come maybe next Friday after uh, some moves are made. Again, Oliver ekman Larson giving the deadline, but if he's going to be moved, it's got to be by this Friday. So um, obviously that move didn't come during the draft. So the Coyotes, if, if they're going to make that move, are looking to get future draft picks and, and whatever player in return. So I think the Coyotes understand where they're at. They're not a contender, but they're not going to, flail to the bottom, or at least hopefully not, at least with the talent they have. But we'll have a clearer picture, I think, by next Friday on what direction they truly want to go in. Okay, and real All quick, right. uh, Seth, what what a percentage that Ekman Larson is on the Coyotes when the season starts? And then I've also been hearing rumors about Darcy Kemper, likelihood that he is still going to be a Coyote when the season starts. Um, I thought if they were going to move Darcy Kemper, it was going to be at the draft to get back into the first round. I think Darcy Kemper stays. Um, and, and that's, that's a guy that I think by the time that the trade deadline rolls around for next season, if the Coyotes are truly at the bottom, eh, maybe they, they try and get back into the first round. Um, Oliver Ekman Larson, I, uh, I thought it was, I wouldn't say a done deal, but I, I felt that, okay, the Coyotes are really trying to move him. But now that they, now that he gave them a deadline by Friday, it almost seems like Ekman Larson is wants to stay here. Right? I mean, who doesn't want stability in their life? But he's saying, look, you trade me Friday or, or I'm staying. So um, I don't know. I, I just it, – it's hard to tell. I think Oliver Ekman Larson will stay a Coyote. But, um, again, he said it's Boston or Vancouver. Is Vancouver willing to eat that cap space when they're going to have so many guys to resign? I mean, they got to find a way to get Marstrom back, right? Or, or are, you, are they going to roll with that to Demko? And with Boston, are you going to let Tory Krug walk just to pay Oliver Ekman Larson's contract? So – Kind of, kind of a lot of interesting things with the two teams he said he would go to. Um, so we'll see. I, I think he stays a Coyote, but I, Friday, obviously, is the deadline. So we'll see Friday. All right. Well put, Seth. Uh, you said you like to run your mouth. You ran it. It was an awesome job, as always, uh, bringing it for the Arizona Coyotes. We're going to take a two-minute break. We're going to come right back with our Colorado Avalanche resident expert in uh, Zach Bondrat. Thanks again, Seth. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player, or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? 
Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. We find your prime with M-Drive. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, folks, we're back. The fastest hour in hockey, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Stephen Marsh from Las Vegas, Nevada. And another co-host and our resident Colorado Avalanche expert, uh, Zach Bondurant is joining us now to break down the uh, the job that Joe Sackick did for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Hey, Zach, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing well, but uh, <laughs> I joked with Stephen uh, in a little bit in the open. I said, I don't know how this happens. Colorado has one, two, three, four, five picks. Arizona ended up with five picks. And somehow the Vegas Golden Knights ended up with six picks. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. I know Colorado must have traded away a pick, but go ahead and break it down for us. Uh, let us know what you thought of uh, starting with pick number 24 all the way to, uh, what, I guess 167 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, they picked up five players, uh, one D-man, and four forwards. Uh, three of them listed at center. Uh, their fifth-round pick is listed as a forward, could play left wing, right wing, or center. Um, but their first pick at number 25 was Justin, I'm going to pronounce it Barron. Um, again, I'm, I might fuddy-duddy some of these last names, especially the last their sixth-round pick. But um, it seems to be he's going to be a puck-carrying defenseman uh, or a puck carrying defensive minded defenseman. Um, and if you look at their prospect pool, they have about six D men prospects, not including Bowen Byram. Um, so I was kind of shocked when I saw him pick a D men in the first round, but I think looking at their prospect pool, it made a little bit more sense. I started to investigate, um, you have guys like Timmons, Byron, who are bound to make a leap into the pros fairly soon. Um, but then after that, um, you have, and actually it's kind of funny, Justin Barron is listed as their fourth uh, best prospect in their system already, um, only being a day out of being drafted. But then you have somebody that is in the VHL over in Russia, um, another one in the KHL. So you have two Russian players that are listed very high in your prospect pool. And me personally, and seeing some of the history with players coming over from Russia, that's kind of a gamble um, because the KHL is a <laughs> You major, said it, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the KHL is a, is, a, is a huge league over there. So when you look at those two, um, you, could, you could say that can go 50-50. One could come over and play in the NHL or they both stay. So he needed to kind of bolster his, his decor or prospects um, to build towards the future. So after, like I said, after I investigated, it made a little bit more sense, um, especially reading that he is kind of a defensive-minded D-man. Um, that's something I think the abs are going to need further on down the road to kind of help fill in that, uh, those, those core six D players. Um, Zach, Zach, let me ask you this before you go any further. Uh, we talked about the three teams in our, our area, the Arizona Coyotes, the Vegas Golden Knights, and now the Colorado Avalanche. And, uh, you know, one thing that we said was um, the, the Avalanche kind of could do what they wanted to do, right? Um, yeah. They got five picks. But the thing that I'm most impressed with is they got those five picks between numbers 25 and 167. Now, let's put that in comparison with the Port Arizona Coyotes, what they were up against. 
They didn't even get to pick until number 111. So for Joe Sackick to get five really quality players, um, well, at least you would say that on paper in uh, picks 25 to 167, that, that just speaks volumes to the way that man puts together a team, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he he knows the values of picks and prospects, obviously making that massive Duchesne deal and getting those eight pieces back. Uh, that jump-started the organization. You get Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram back-to-back drafts. Uh, you take two offensive defensemen like that, you're going you're gonna to make a quick jump. You draft McKinnon a few years before. Um, I don't know if he drafted Landis Gog. But I, he was there, right? He had those pieces. So it, it shows that he doesn't trade away draft picks without getting something significant in return. Um, and something like that would be like Nazem Kadri. He did trade uh, the, a sixth round pick, but which you know they then got back from from Florida later on in the year. But. Um, yeah, it just shows how value, how how highly value he holds those picks, um, and actually that that trade with the Leafs leads into the next player is Jean Luc Faldi. Um, he's a centerman, uh, Canadian player. Uh, it seems to be the the report on him is he's one of the best skaters in the draft, which is kind of crazy considering he dropped down to the third round at pick 75. So there's got to be something else that maybe he needs to work on in his game. Um, but, I mean, this is a kid that that's playing in the, the OHL and the Windsor Spitfire system. Uh, Windsor seems to, you know, pardon the pun, but spit out a lot of speedy players. <laughs> I like it. Um, they seem they seem to to put a lot of the speedsters out in the NHL, so that could be why he's considered the best skater. Um, he, that could be somebody that you see uh, playing in some some penalty kill, some so having some penalty kill time, whether it's in the the AHL, the NHL, eventually. But um, that's that's uh, that I mean, he's a pretty big body as of right now, 176 pounds. So I have to put on a little bit of weight, 18 years old, six foot. So he's still got a little bit of room to grow into his frame. But um, I think that's that's probably going to if it really is the best skater in the draft, then my gosh, if he moves up to the NHL, you might as well bring out the, the radar guns for the abs because you're going to have McCarr, McKinnon and this foul D going going coast to coast blazing speed. So. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how he develops. And then what I thought was kind of interesting as well, the shortest person that Sackett draft in this year was five, nine Colby Ambrose Ambrosio, um, which he's a puck handler. He's a Boston college commit. So that scout over in the Boston college area is going to be real busy while he looks at Drew Hellison, a 2019 second round pick. And then Alex Newhook, a 2019 first round pick. Uh, those are three players that are going to be in the Boston College system. Um, I have a feeling uh, picking Colby was kind of a, a process of his scout seeing Hellison and Newhook and maybe seeing you know the kind of draft class they or the kind of freshmen they have coming in. So I'm excited for that. I, I like seeing the college kids getting getting drafted and and especially when you can see all three of these players in the same school. These guys could end up coming into the NHL uh, relatively you know, the same year or year after year from each other. So that's kind of cool that they have some chemistry and they can build some chemistry with each other. Um, after that, we continue with another college player from Notre Dame, who is a commit, uh, Ryder Rolston, a USA player, uh, 6-1 frame, which I like. I like that they're they're getting the, the big bodies from this draft. Um, it seems to be the breakdown is he's going to be a speedster that's going to grind it out. So uh, it sounds like there's going to be a depth piece for the Avalanche, assuming he develops uh, accordingly. And the other thing is they have another player at Notre Dame is Nate Corman, who's a defenseman in the 2016 sixth-round pick. So, again, I like seeing that the the college players are – are getting a little bit of uh, time to shine when they when they don't have games to play right now. Um, it provides a little bit of sunshine in the in the lack of of game day schedules. So 
Um, again, we continue on. The number sixth round pick, or not number, but the sixth round pick is ha- Nals Am- Aman. Um, he's a centerman, 6'2". Uh, scouting report on him says true center. So he's going to have a high hockey IQ. Um, he's going to be able to move the puck well, um, you know, just plant himself in the front of the net if necessary. I mean, at 6'2", 179 pounds, he's 20 years old, so he is um, further along age-wise. Um, he's a Swedish player, so uh, like Seth had said, Sweden's got a very good way of churning out professional players, and and these are the these are the rounds where you find those diamonds in the rough, those steals. So it'll be very interesting to see what uh, what his development goes like and where the Avalanche see him moving on to. All right, Stephen, you got one on the Avalanche for Seth, uh, for Zach. <laughs> Yes, I guess my question would be, you did a very good job of breaking those down. One thing that I noticed is you mentioned the size. They went they went with pretty uh, tall uh, players for their picks. And um, I guess the question might, would be for me would be, as, as a, someone that follows the ass closely for, for as long as you have, um, what, what, what were you most excited about when you saw these, these draft picks? And maybe what didn't they do or maybe that they, you wish that they would have tried to get that they didn't? Phil, it, it, you know, what, what, what surprised you? And then what, what did you like about where they, where they ended up picking? Yeah. So, I mean, I think in all honesty, because their first round pick was further down at 25, there's not a lot of hype to it, but the fact of the matter is like anybody in the first round could jump up and be a star. Um, Pedersen for Vancouver is proof of that. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a first, second or third pick. He was, I believe six or seven. So, um, but the, also the fact of the matter is, is these, the second through seventh round is where you find those, those steals. Um, and I like that they went offense and tried to find those players that are, are going to be the steals for them later on. The one thing I was actually shocked they didn't do is they didn't go for a goalie. Um, I think their goalie core, they've got four goalies who they've got in the system right now. Um, and the average age is 21 and a half. It does take goalies longer to develop, which I understand. One of them is 26. Uh, Hunter Miska, who, who Yeah, I was just going to tell you bubble. that. I think, I think that's what they're waiting on is Hunter Miska. He's a bulldog. And, that, and you know, you, you got to yeah. go with the bulldog, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and I honestly hope that he pans out undrafted college player. He's the story I love. Somebody who didn't get drafted. He's in college. And he can come out and spend time with the Coyotes organization for a couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. With the Tucson Roadrunners, Arizona Coyotes. um, I, I like it. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he develops. Like I said, my, my hope is that he does develop and becomes their number one goalie. But the fact of the matter is he is 25 and he's nearing that age of prime value or, or, or peaking of the prime. So that will be interesting. Um, I hope, like I said, hope that works out. But other than the, other than that, I mean, they have Adam Werner, which is 23, who's out on loan, and then this uh, Justius Anamino. And uh, some of these names, man, I'm sorry. We know who you're pros, talking about. <laughs> yeah, when they get to the pros, I'll be able to have the pronunciation <laughs> just right. But, I mean, he's 20 years old, so – if you look at their their goalie situation, it's a it's a little bit of a bare cupboard, to be honest, for my liking. So that's what I think I would have liked to see them use one of those uh, the, either that third or fourth round pick on. But um, Joe Sakic's a man, and, and he knows what he's doing. So um, I'll let him steer that Colorado ship all day. And okay. Zach, and also Zach, one, one other seen- thing too. One other thing too is uh, your overall impression of the draft. We kind of t- touched on it, Scott and I, in the beginning about. Format this year with it being virtual, and there were some benefits of and, and negatives on both sides. But maybe just from your perspective, just you know, as you've watched previous drafts and then this one, how do you think it went with with the of course doing this this way this year with it being the virtual draft? Um, I mean, honestly, it's better to have the draft than be able to do something than nothing. Um, I think it was a little bit interesting. I think it's actually better for the players to be at home, to be honest, because some of these kids are sitting around till the third or fourth round. And it, that's that's got a way on you. Um, I'm sure they know they're not going in the first or second round, but um, 
I think it's kind of cool because we saw a lot of Michigan players uh, get drafted in between the first and third round, and all those players were able to meet up at the rink and watch it together, which I think was really cool. So this, this is this is part of the cool silver lining aspect of the draft was moved to October when when school's in session and, yeah. and college kids are on the ice. So yeah. um, they they get to have that experience together. Like, oh my gosh, dude, you just got drafted by Vegas. No, dude, you just got drafted by Philly. So um, it's a really cool aspect. The one thing is um, it was really boring. Honestly, and I think the way that it was set up, like, yeah, like on the draft floor, I think, de- like, we saw no deals done today besides Matt Murray and a few, like a Benino trade. Max uh, Domi. Yeah, then yeah, Max, Max Domi. Domi yeah. So besides those two, and I feel like Matt Murray and Max Domi were done before today started. So I, I think that aspect kind of, it kind of flopped on the trade aspect because GMs weren't face-to-face. And when you're face-to-face with somebody – it's a totally different communication aspect in the sense that you 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 feel the the sense of urgency when you're on the phone you can hang it up and be like okay I don't really have to think about that anymore so um, I mean honestly pumped for all the players but as a trade aspect that was the boring part it was really just pick after pick after pick so um, and you know what again it's better to have something than nothing so I'll take it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I know you've broken down the uh, the avalanche for us before on uh, the Pandemic Podcast and the Professional Hockey Podcast, so I think we're pretty solid where we know where they're at. So thanks for breaking down the draft picks for us. I appreciate you coming on on, on your off day, which really doesn't exist for you, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's never an off day for a hockey fan or hockey enthusiast, so uh, you know me. I'm always game. Zach, I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a two-minute break. Steve and I will come back, and we'll talk Las Vegas are the Vegas Golden Knights from our Las Vegas expert. We'll be right back. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy from Scottsdale, Arizona. Stephen Marsh from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, I, I said this was the fastest hour in uh, in a podcast, and I believe it. We are really running short on time, but it's time to talk Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, you watched the draft today. You saw what they did, starting with pick number 29 and uh, selecting six players up till number uh, 215. So give us a rundown on what you saw. Sure. You know, I <laughs> one thing that's, that Zach mentioned that I really liked was it is kind of interesting that, we, that with this time of year, the, the draft, of course, is in October, so the, the – some of these players are already in school. And I want to mention something about one of their draft picks, uh, n- their number uh, 91 pick, uh, Jackson Hallam, uh, f- forward. Uh, he's, and this is, you're going to love this, Scott, because he's the Minnesota guy. He's from Egan, uh, Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> can't and go he's wrong not, with a Minnesota kid. Can't go, <laughs> <laughs> and this is how he found out. He was talking with, he said he was in class. And he was walking to his economics class. I don't even think he's in. He's still in high school, I believe. And he found out while he was walking to his economics class, which I thought was was <laughs> you just like love just it. I just I just loved that. Uh, but he's he's somebody that you know he was he's gonna 
play with the Green Bay Gamblers of the USHL this year. Uh, he's going to go to University of Michigan, which another of uh, the, the picks is going there as well, which is the the, the number the, the first round pick that they took, uh, Brandon Brisson uh, from the Chicago Steel uh, from Manhattan Beach, California, a place that I I've visited many times. A nice little uh, area down there in Manhattan Beach. So I'm sure, and we've talked about this before. The, the talent of hockey in, in California has, has certainly been growing, and and that's well. I, but the significance but, of Brisson yeah. is his father is Pat Brisson, who is a well-known uh, NHL agent. So he's this guy's around hockey. Uh, he's he's um, he's he's some of the people he agents for is Crosby, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and Jonathan Marsha, so who we know from the Golden Knights. So. And, and Nick Waugh. Nick Waugh, right? Which yeah, Nick Waugh. So. So let me throw this at you before you break okay. down the rest of them. Um, Brisson, and uh, you mentioned him with his dad being an agent. That's different. You mentioned Jackson uh, Hallam finding out uh, while he was in his high school or between classes in high school. And the Vegas Golden Knights, it seems like every year of their existence, which has only been four, uh, seems to always take a shot at a Russian uh, forward. Uh, Maxim Marsharov, uh, Marshev. I'm not sure how you say that, but uh, they took him with number 215. So the Vegas Golden Knights, never a dull moment. Jesse Granger told us that on Monday night. He said, somehow the Vegas Golden Knights always seem to find their way into the national spotlight, no matter how they finish on the ice. So go ahead. Break down the rest of them. No, you're right. Uh, in fact, uh, Sinbin.Vegas uh, tweeted about that. that they took uh, Maxim Marashev uh, from the KHL. Uh, he put Gusev 2.0, which we know that they took Nikita Gusev, which that, <laughs> that experiment didn't quite work out. But, uh, but you know, with this guy, you know, yeah, they seem to really like picking players from uh, from Russia. Uh, the uh, other must, thing must was, we must we also remind you of Shipashov? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, Shipashov. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Shipashov too didn't work out too well. Either. No, but but also. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. They, they, it seems like every year they try for one, maybe a third or fourth time is a charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and but they also took a goaltender in this draft, which you know we've been talking about the goaltending situation going forward for the Golden Knights. But they took uh, uh, this goaltender from uh, Sweden, and again, you know, we we talked about the Swedes with the other teams that we've talked about tonight. Uh, Jas- Jasper Vikman. And that was the pick that they they traded for, or they they traded a fourth round pick in 2022, from what I understand, to Detroit to get this pick at 125. So there was something that they saw in him that they they figured they they wanted to to try to get er- earlier. Uh, and then you got Noah Noah Ellis, a defenseman at 148. They picked it picked him, uh, 6'2", 192 pounds. Um, he says he had he, he said on one of his interviews that. He models his game after Shea Theodore, and if that's the case, man, this guy's going to be really, really good because we've seen what Shea Theodore has done uh, since he's been able to, to develop, and, and it's certainly he's in his prime now here with the Golden Knights. So I, I, I'm, I'm really excited for this uh, this draft class. You know, the Golden Knights always seem to to pick pick pretty well, and we'll see. The other news, of course, they also. Made some signings too. See the Golden Knights; they're they're busy. They they had they did some business too during this draft, and they were able to to get uh, Chandler Stevenson locked up uh, in, with a contract, and uh, they made some other qualifying offers as well. So the Golden Knights always it always seems like when it comes to the Golden Knights, they use every opportunity they can to to put themselves on the uh, in the the edge. Well, a couple things I'll throw out there. Uh... They, they're very well balanced in their draft, if you will. They got a goaltender, they got three centers, uh, and they got two defensemen. So uh, if you needed a team to uh, put on the ice right now, you're in pretty good shape. You could actually start a, a game today with those six players, and they don't have a position to play. So, uh, so credit to that. They also uh, picked three American players, um, a Canadian, a Sweden, Swedish player, and a Russian player. So um, – Equal opportunity hockey draft picks. Is that fair? <laughs> Equal opportunity, which which we like to see. You know what's interesting this with this draft class. This was a, a little bit of an interesting year because of the pandemic, and a lot of seasons were cut short, or certainly 
in, in certain tournaments that would normally take place didn't take place. Obviously, the combine didn't take place. So it's this was a very interesting draft in that regard too because they had to do a lot of their work through through Zoom. They had to do just rely on on video from the from the past instead of the scouting teams being able to go as much in person to see some some of these players play, and certainly in tournaments and, and certain high um, uh, what's the word look for high excitement games where there's a lot at stake and but it's there's still some great talent that comes comes out from this and and we'll see i mean we what's going to be nice is the silver knights are going to be here in, in in henderson so i'm sure some of these players may eventually end up there or playing there and it'll be great to have have them so close to the, the big club so um well, let me let me throw this out. Yeah, as we wrap things up on the Golden Knights and on the show, but uh, the as I look at the three teams that we cover in the NHL in our coverage area, the Vegas, uh, the Arizona Coyotes are definitely in a rebuild mode. I don't care what anybody says; they're rebuilding and preparing for for the long stretch. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, as Zach mentioned, is uh, is a team that's kind of running on autopilot, right? They've got so much depth, they got so much cap space. They got everything going their way. They picked a lot of great players again. Um, and then you look at the Vegas Golden Knights. They got high-end tal- caliber, which is expensive high-end caliber talent uh, on the roster. And, and now they're going to have to do some juggling because you're allowed to be over the cap uh, 10% during the offseason. They're probably at that max right now. They're going to have to move some people. We know about the Flurry deal. We know about all that. But yet they still managed to, to stock up their uh, farm system and keeps a lot of high-end quality players like Chandler Stevenson, who I joked, the new uniform came out and I know they put the number 20 on there for, for the year, <laughs> but that gold Jersey had number 20 and a C on it. And I said, um, eh, I started a little rumor, Steven. I said, anything about that C going to number 20? Of course we know that probably is not the case, but, but I thought I'd start the rumor anyway. What the heck? Right. Right, but I want to mention what you said about the the Golden Knights with the with the draft is that's always something something from the beginning. They've been very aggressive. We even saw with the the expansion draft when they worked so meticulously to to get certain players to stock up draft picks, and then they real early in the first couple of drafts they they were able to have a lot of a lot of picks that were we're starting to see some of those players now making their way uh, through the organization and have have a good group of young talent. So. Uh, the Golden Knights are in a great position. Obviously, I think they even exceeded where they thought they would be at this point. I mean, realistically, they maybe didn't think that in three years they would already have been in the Stanley Cup final and then the Western Conference final and playoffs the first three seasons. And 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 now they've got – now they're right up against the cap. And, you know, they got Flurry, who they, they locked up at the time with a big expensive contract. And now they're, now they're looking at it as – where they're going to have to probably move that money because it's just because because then Leonard came in and was so great. So um, other teams are probably looking at the Golden Knights situation to be honest, and they're probably like, they're probably like, we're glad we're not them right now because. <laughs> yeah. Oh, isn't that a fact? There's a lot of teams that are looking that way, and I think that's what's uh, slowing down, if you will, the uh, Mark Andre Fleury trade is that uh, other teams know exactly the status that the uh, Golden Knights are in. And they're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna do with that uh, what they need to do when they need to do it on their terms. So, all right, I'll let you uh, do the read, and uh, we'll jump into a little uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers De Niro, and we'll say good night. So, uh, uh, as I said at the beginning, Stephen, fastest sixty minutes in a podcast. That went by really fast. <laughs> right, you're right. It went by really fast. Okay. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona, Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, is presenting partner of the Sunday special. Asked to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you to see the top lines of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers, our dining rooms, in accordance to CDC guidelines, are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile home of America's largest 5G network. See Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you the power of the new T-Mobile. 
Now you can bring the best of Las Vegas home. Stop by Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located just minutes from T-Mobile Arena and home of the Raiders, New Allegiant Stadium, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, and pick up a bottle or three of our championship barbecue sauce home. By Summer Skates, your team can design its own logo and show it off with pride on our koozies and shower shoes. Team discounts available. You can go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Behind the Mask, for all of your hockey needs, visit any of our three locations or go to behindthemask.com. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe, by ASU fans, for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, learn to play hockey sessions are back for kids and kids at heart. See OceansideIceArena.net for more details. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Score a Roger Klein hat trick. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try each of our three styles of the best-tasting tequila. By OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. And by M-Drive. Go to M-DriveForMen.com. Try our new Relax Supplement for better sleep. M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. By the Ice Den, Scottsdale, and Chandler. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and are available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and newly available on the TuneIn app. Just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, which is presented by Maryville University, is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. I should say Maryville University Hockey. Very well done. It's uh, like I said, the time just flew by. I apologize for anybody that was looking for club hockey tonight, but we felt it was important that we touch on the uh, draft picks. A lot of the uh, the youngsters, and and I do say youngsters, we're talking 18, 19 years old. Uh, for the guys that were drafted today, have uh, some have some very bright futures ahead of them. Some have some work ahead of them. But we know one thing: uh, hockey is back, and we'll be looking forward to talking more club hockey with you next week. So for uh, Seth Askelson and Zach Bondurant and my co-host, Stephen Marsh up in Las Vegas, Scott Strandy saying goodnight from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Good night, everybody. <laughs>